right, Transit family, go ahead and grab your seat, grab your seat. Hey, real quick, if you didn't get a handout on your way in, there's actually a handout for this Sunday sermon, which is wild, okay? So uh, this is the first time I've done that. I did a lot of, it was a lot of hard work on that. I'm going to explain why I gave a handout for this uh, weekend message, but uh, if you could grab one, the first three pages is an overview of last week's sermon. Um, we are preaching through uh, Ephesians, and we were in, Ephes- we're in Ephesians 6, and last week we talked about Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, and we talked about kind of just a, an overview of spiritual warfare, that what Scripture clearly teaches is that we are in a battle, and that battle is not a, in, in the seen physical realm, it's in the unseen realm, and in that unseen spiritual realm, there's a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of evil made up of Satan and his fallen angels that are uh, hell-bent on destroying us and, and everything that God cares about and thwarting the purposes of God. So we need to be awakened to that. We need to be armored up. And so that's where we're at in Ephesians. And so today um, we are going to talk about one of the schemes, one of the tactics of the enemy. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, Paul says we need to be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. And what we see scripturally before we even talk about experiences, what we see scripturally is that one of the schemes of the enemy uh, to advance his kingdom is inhabiting human beings. And we call that demonization. We're going to talk about demonization today, that uh, demonic entities have a tendency to want to take up residence in human bodies and, and have influence and various degrees of control to advance their kingdom across the face of the earth. And then we're going to talk about not what the demonic does, but what Jesus came to do, that Jesus came to set us free, to destroy the works of the devil through deliverance, that believers and followers of Jesus Christ um, need to be doing what Jesus did in his ministry. So uh, this is probably, I know for a lot of us, this is probably the first Sunday that we've ever heard a, a sermon on this topic. And some of you are going, why in the world would you talk about this on a, on a Sunday morning? And, and my question back would be, man, why would we not? Why would we not? And here's my heart with this. I just want to, as your pastors, tell you this. As some of you know, the last six weeks I've, I've dealt with this foot issue. Like, I blew out the arch of my foot, not sure what's wrong, was in a boot for like four weeks on crutches, finally off crutches this week, still kind of limping around, and I've seen a couple podiatrists. Now, imagine with me that I saw a podiatrist who had the exact same issue. So, a couple weeks ago, right? Imagine, this is an illustration, okay? So, we're preaching now, okay? So, imagine he had the exact same issue. He blew out the arch of his foot. But the way he got healed, I didn't know this, but the way that he got healed was he discovered uh, some old medical textbooks. And there was this non-surgical procedure that was kind of controversial. Some people in the medical community didn't really like it. And so they just eventually said that only worked back then, and we're not going to apply that that means of healing today. And so imagine that podiatrist is seeing me. And he he actually got someone to to heal his foot through that non-surgical procedure that was shelved for so long. And not only was that podiatrist healed, he wasn't just brought back to where he was before the injury, he was able to run like a, like a, a stallion out of, the, out of the gate. He was able to run like he could never dare think, imagine was possible in his life. Now imagine that that podiatrist, he sees me, he knows exactly that um, I have the same thing that he has. But he holds that, what healed him, behind his back. And he says, hey, just do these things. These things are really good. They're great, like PT, MRI. Get, that, get yourself a little lacrosse ball. 
you know, roll, roll the crossball and, and uh, crutches, a boot, all that stuff. But, but because he didn't want his practice to have a bad reputation, he didn't want to be snickered at or scorned or to stir up any unnecessary controversy, so he just kept that behind his back, the healing that he got. What would you say to that podiatrist, as someone who's in pain, as someone who needs healing? Uh, well, Jesus says this about the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 13. He says, woe to you, religious leaders. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You keep people. You, you yourself don't enter the kingdom of heaven, but you forbid others from entering the kingdom of God. Woe to you. That's a curse. Woe to you. How dare you do that? And so for me, the reason I share that is four years ago, I didn't believe Christians could be demonized. Uh, I didn't believe this Christian up here on stage was demonized. And then four years ago, Jesus, the deliverer, set me powerfully free from a whole truckload of demonic oppression I didn't know I was under. For about eight hours, I'll spare you the details, it was ugly off and on, brothers in Christ just contending with me. My joke is that Mary Magdalene had nothing on me. She had seven and, you know, whatever. Like, and all of a sudden, I have to go, okay, so here's what, here's, here's what happened. Here's what was my life before that incident was I, uh, I, I hated myself. That's why I wanted my, my good friend Rick to preach on shame and condemnation a couple Sundays ago. It was because I wrestled with shame and condemnation my entire Christian life. I hated myself. I'd wrestled with suicidal thoughts. I was bound in, in, the, in the cords of addiction that I could never break free from. And in that moment, my D-Day, I call it October 4th, 2019, um, after that, after demons got cast out of me, uh, voices left that I thought were my own voices in my head. Uh, compulsions to certain behaviors left that weren't my compulsions. I was, uh, I was lighter. I was freer. I didn't know that, the, that, that that was ever going to happen to me. And then, and then I was your associate pastor. If you do this, I was your associate pastor when that happened. And so now I'm on this journey where I didn't know that I was going to be handed the lead pastor role in this church. And now I have to discern, okay, Jesus, do I, because I just want a, a good reputation of a church, I don't really want people to be healed. I just want a good reputation. So we're not going to talk about this. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep silent. And people who are just like me didn't know that maybe not everything's a demon if you struggle with what I, what I just confessed, it might not be demonic, but we have a framework where it might be demonic. And woe to me if I stay silent and we don't talk about this as a church. Because not just to you, but also through the church, Jesus wants to continue to minister to broken people and set them free. So that's my heart with this, is I would be guilty of malpractice if I stayed silent on this issue. The one key issue um, in my life that Jesus powerfully brought deliverance to me, to my family, to a, a lot of people in our church, and a lot of people outside of our church on the other side of that. So that's why we wanted to talk about this. Um, and here's three reasons, and then we'll dive in. And I'm, uh, uh, this is why I wanted to give you the handout. I could preach for a long time on this topic because your handout has a lot of information. And rest assured, I'm not going to talk about everything in your handout. But if you're listening on the podcast tomorrow, uh, email me, and I want to get this handout in your hands. So, um, because there's a lot of things that I'm going to gloss over, assuming that this is homework for you. Your pastor's giving you homework, okay? Study this, read this over, and before you come and, and schedule an appointment with me and process all your questions and all that stuff, we're going to talk about that, Lord willing, next week. I'm going to answer all the questions that are going to come up. How in the world can Christians be demonized? How do you get demon? Can you just get a demon by accident? No, you can't get a demon by accident. How does, how does this happen? How, then what does deliverance process look like? So on and so forth. We're going to talk about all of that. I'm just giving you guys the biblical basis for deliverance, which is reason number one we're pressing into this. I didn't enter, to the, in, enter into this lightly. 
uh, the elders, all of us talked on Monday, and I said to them, this is what I feel like is, is, is what we need to talk about as a church. What, what do you guys say? And they said, green light, absolutely. We're going we're gonna to press into this, gas on the pedal. And so, one, I want to clarify the issue. There's lots of uh, misconceptions we have about deliverance ministry. There's lots of ideas we have about what it is, what it isn't, lots of questions we have. And often I'll talk about deliverance or I'll talk about the fact that we have a restoration prayer ministry. And we're seeing Jesus deliver people from demonic oppression. And then it's just like, hey, deal with that. Good luck. Figure that out on your own. Instead, I want to teach us and train us that this is biblical. That I didn't, like none of us made this up. Jesus actually entrusted this ministry to us. Deliverance ministry isn't deliverance ministry. It's the ministry of Jesus. It's work that he came to do. And so I want to clarify the issue. We have a restoration prayer ministry, and we've had uh, 81 appointments this year so far, and we're seeing Jesus do miraculous things. It's amazing. So we want to talk about that and equip our church to understand these arguments and then also tell other believers that this is, this is, this is Jesus' ministry that he's entrusted to us, and we need, to, we need to carry this. We need to hold the baton and continue to advance the kingdom of God. Secondly, uh, the second reason for this is I want to celebrate what our King Jesus has done. Um, Jesus has worked miracles uh, through our church, and he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of glory. He's worthy, worthy of honor. And so we have two testimonies that we're going to share, and so that's why another reason I'm going to fly over your handout today because I really want to get to the testimonies at the end. We have someone from out of state who's going to share a testimony on a video, and then we have one of our church members who's going to talk about how she got deliverance and what Jesus did through that. So I'm really excited about that. And then thirdly, one of the, the third reason for this is um, I want to call the, the broken and the bound to experience the, their healer and their deliverer, Jesus Christ. That he's on the throne. He's present with us by the Spirit. Um, he hasn't stopped doing the work that he came to do. Uh, he's doing it. And not everything's a demon, but this is what I want to say. If, is as I'm preaching this week or, or even last week when you heard the sermon then or next week and, and the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, hey, why don't you schedule an appointment with their prayer team, restoration prayer team? Uh, email Kristen at Transit Church. If you feel a tug on your heart to come for prayer, do that. We're seeing not just deliverance. We're seeing a lot of inner healing happen. Uh, we believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit. And so uh, we've had, um, there's, a, there's crazy stories coming out of the prayer ministry. It's not just a deliverance ministry. There, one of my favorites was one of our uh, 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 team members on the prayer team was praying before the session, a couple of days before the person they're going to pray for. And the Lord gave him a, uh, a couple pictures and visions of uh, the individual and, and certain things that they didn't know how to make sense of. They share that in the meeting with the person coming for prayer. And the person goes, I literally dreamt that exact thing this week coming for prayer. So you guys just catch that? So someone who doesn't know, like the Holy Spirit revealing somebody's dreams, the Holy Spirit giving dreams, them coming, and that was the key to unlock a lot of freedom for this person. That, that happened. That's bonkers. I'm sorry, that's bonkers. That's crazy, right? Like download of people's dreaming life. Hey, I know what you dreamt last night. You know, like it was, it was like, hey, I don't know what this means. And it's like, I know what that means. Oh my gosh, I dreamt that, right? Talk about the healing that can come from that. So uh, we've, we're seeing just God do some really cool things and we want to invite you uh, to that because here's, here's what we know is true of our king that we just sang to. Is he came to save the lost, he came to bind up the brokenhearted, and he came to set the captive free. And that's what we want our, our ministry to be about. That's what we want our, as followers of Jesus, our lives to be about, right? What does Jesus teach us to pray when the disciples ask Jesus, hey, teach us to pray? He says, let my name be glorified. And what, what's next? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would heaven come and invade this sin-cursed, disease-ridden, demonically infiltrated 
church. So that was like a super long introduction. Let me pray, and then we'll dive into this super long sermon. All right. Uh, Father, we love you, God. I thank you, Lord, that um, you're not nervous this morning. You're not too concerned. I think you're on the edge of your seat. And there's a lot of work you want to still do in our lives. We thank you that, Jesus, you came and you spoke truth. And it cost you your reputation. The religious leader said you cast demons out by Beelzebub, by other demons. They accused you of essentially being a Satanist. But you didn't hold back from showing us how the world works. That, that in a weird, mysterious way that I never believed until all of whatever you did in my life, in a mysterious way that this evil, these evil spirits can take up residence and cause destruction. And you, the deliverer, came. You didn't close your eyes to human suffering, Jesus. You didn't close your eyes to pain. You didn't close your eyes. You saw the root of it. And you dealt with it. You pressed into it. You spoke the truth in love. And so, Jesus, would you do that today? Would you guard my, my mouth from saying anything that would put any unnecessary obstacles in the way of people coming to experience you as healer and deliverer? But everything's about you, Jesus. We're not singing to the transit church this morning. We're not preaching from, uh, from the transit church's ministry. Everything is about you, King Jesus. And our heart cry as followers of you is, what do you want to do, Jesus? What do you want for my life? What do you want for our church, Jesus? That's our heart cry. And so we, we unify and we say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let heaven invade this earth for the glory of your name. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you have your way with this message? Would you have your way with those who are sharing testimonies tonight? And would you awaken us to the reality of the, not only to the demonic and demonization, but the fact that, that the enemy is your footstool. You've conquered our enemies. You've entrusted us. You've given us the keys to the kingdom. You've given us power and authority to go and drive these things out of your universe that you're reclaiming and that you're restoring. So have your way, Jesus. Be magnified. We pray this in your name. Amen and amen. Woo! All right. Point number one in your handout, be on the screen as well, is Jesus Christ came to inaugurate the kingdom of God. So here's the deal. Often we struggle, if you, if, and I resonate with you, like if I was ever at a church and my pastor's like, hey, we're talking about demonization, I would have called the police back in the day. Hey, can you arrest this guy? Like, I don't know, like there's got to be some law he's breaking right now, all right? I get it. I totally get it. The Lord, but then I went from my, I went to the scriptures and I saw like, this, it's, it's been here all along. I missed it. I missed it. So Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of God. But the reason often we struggle with Jesus' deliverance ministry is we don't know where to put it in our gospel paradigm. Does that make sense? Like, where does this weird thing fit in the gospel? Right? And this is why, so eternity changers are awesome. Brian and uh, Alyssa coming here yesterday. The, the conference was amazing. Can we put our hands together for those that were there? That was just awesome. Uh, my kids and I talked through the, the some of the tabletop cards. It was awesome just like having theological discussions about the gospel with my kids. It's, it was amazing. It was awesome. So I highly encourage you, go to their stand, get the resources, get connected with them. Uh, the Lord has really just graced them with just a, a heart and a hunger for the gospel. And I love this. I was felt rude in the middle of their presentation because I busted out my phone and I wasn't texting my homies. I was actually preparing for my sermon. And their gospel presentation um, that they showed 
has hand symbols, right? And one is, okay, uh, kids, this is, they're teaching the kids, like, the gospel with, with hand gestures, and I'm not really good at that, so I was like, oh, this is fun. I can do this with my kids. So one, everyone put your, you don't, know, you don't have to do this, but boom, you put the crown on your head. What does that symbolize? God is king, and God is a good king. He's a king of love, and he created us. He's creator, and he created us for a relationship with him. Okay, now everyone make a, make a heart, okay? But what happened is that, is that we've sinned, and then you break the heart, and sin represents separation from our purpose, from our identity, for the, the reason uh, that we exist. So sin separates us, but God is such a good king. Christ is such a, a kind king, a loving king, that even in our sin, he stretched out his arms. And you make a cross. And he died to tear down the wall of sin that separate us from a relationship with God. So now the good news is, as you make a broken heart, is that whoever trusts in the atoning work of Jesus on the cross for their sins will get their hearts restored. They'll be, and then you build the heart again. Their hearts will, you can make a clicking sound if you want. And their hearts will be restored. They'll find their purpose. And I'm like, man, that's good. Okay, great gospel presentation. But then they kept going. I was like, oh, okay, because here's the deal. Our entire gospel presentation stopped there. It stopped there. But then they go, then they watch this, then they go this. And I was like, I was about to hop out of my chair. And they go, now make a home. You're going to dwell with God forever. Make yourself a home. Right? This is, this is the, the G.K. Beale has a great book called The Temple and the Mission of the church, the church's mission, and he's, it's biblical theology. He's tracing the theme of the temple and God's people from Genesis to Revelation, and we see at the end of Revelation, God's hope and heart is that he's dwelling in the midst of his people. It's the work of restoration. Uh, that's what Christ came to do, and so then it begs the question, okay, well, well if we're to dwell uh, in the house with God, well, well, what kind of house is it? What kind of, what, what is Jesus doing? And so that's where, when we talk about restoration and we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the abode, the temple, the dwelling place of God within, that Christ came to restore all things, says in your outline in Acts uh, 3, 13 through, uh, 19 through 21. Uh, repent, therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until, watch this, the restoring of all things. So this sin-cursed, demonically infiltrated, disease-laden, ridden world, Jesus is restoring. He's, he's, he's bringing us back to God's original intent in the Garden of Eden, where God dwelled in perfect unity with humanity in the Garden of Eden. There was shalom, there was harmony between God and man, man with each other, man with creation, and Jesus is reclaiming humanity and, and restoring humanity back to God's original design us dwelling with God in that sacred place to guard in forever. And that's where healing and that's where deliverance takes place because there, isn't any, there aren't any demons in God's temple that is coming, the new heavens and the new earth. This is what Dane Ortland says. Dane Ortland wrote Gentle and Lowly, okay? And Dane Ortland said this. I love this quote. He says, when Jesus performed miracles, he wasn't doing violence to the natural order. He was restoring the natural order to the way it was meant to be. Demons did not belong in people. Someone say amen to that, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. I agree, Dane Ortland. Uh, unlike Adam, who failed to watch this, and this, he got this from G.K. Beale, and I'm starting to read J.K. Beale because of Jane Ortland's book, Surprised by Just Anyways, way too much information. Uh, unlike Adam, who failed to cast the serpent out of the garden to be a guardian of God's temple, Adam didn't kick that thing in the face and say, get out of God's temple. Unlike Adam, who failed, 
to expel Satan from the garden when he should have done, Jesus did what Adam ought to have done, exercising demons from men and women created in God's image. Georgin Moltmann, sorry if I'm your German, I just butchered that, uh, said this, when Jesus expels demons and heals the sick, he's driving out of creation the powers of destruction and is healing and restoring created beings who are hurt and sick. The lordship of God to which the healings witness restores creation to health. Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They're the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. Amen? So that's a holistic approach of the reconciliation of all things. That all, Romans 8, all creation eagerly waits for that message, that proclamation in Mark 1.15. It's in your notes. You can put it on the screen too if you want. Mark 1.15, Jesus says this, the time is fulfilled. I love that line. I missed it until last night. He goes, the time is fulfilled. Meaning, hey, the moment the sin-cursed creation has been waiting for has happened. The person to bring restoration is on the scene. The kingdom that this world, that you in your sin, you in your brokenness have been waiting for, the time has come. His name is Jesus, and it's the kingdom of God, and he's come. And repent and believe. Give your life to Jesus and be a part of this uh, cosmic renovation and renewal of all of creation. Oh, come on. I could preach a whole, okay, anyways, so good. I have to move on. But see, that's where deliverance, that's where healing fits into our gospel paradigm. That it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Yes, absolutely. Substitutionary death of Christ on the cross for our sins. And yes, through that, the restoring of all of creation back to God's original design and purpose. Okay, so second point, I got to move on. Second point, Jesus Christ came to dethrone and destroy the kingdom of Satan. So in order to bring in the kingdom of healing, the kingdom of hope, the healing of love, the healing of restoration, Jesus has to dethrone and destroy the kingdom of darkness. The prince of the power of the air has to be cast out, right? Um, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness can't like coexist. Like that's not a thing, right? We see the devil in Luke 4. That's why I have it in your handout in Luke 4. The devil tries to make that happen. And Jesus is like, no, uh, instead of you giving me all the kingdoms that are under your authority, how about I just uh, take it all back and, and kick, you out of, kick you out of the world, right? How about I just do that, okay? Um, so don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Here's a litany of scripture verses. 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, Jesus had a ministry of restoration for humanity and all of creation, and Jesus has a ministry of destruction for the devil. I read your Bibles. I just read it. First John 3, 8. Destroy the works of the devil. Destroy is to put an end to the existence of something by damaging or attacking it. Amen. Hallelujah. John 12, 31 to 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. All the rats in God's house, his world, are getting evicted, right? They're getting kicked out of the garden. Uh, Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death, what, what's the language? He might destroy, not uh, be kind of mean to, not like uh, hinder or the word, no, destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon not wound, uh, not make sad, will crush Satan underneath your feet. Because Ephesians 2, 6 says, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places in your union with him. I love that. I love that. 
And then Luke 4, I talked about that. Uh, Satan's trying to, to uh, make a deal with Jesus. Hey, let's, I'll, just, I'll just give these to you. And Jesus is saying, no, I've come to actually uh, take back what is rightfully mine, thank you very much, and restore it, and then to kick you out. Okay, so Jesus has a ministry. He has, he has a, a, a heart. Uh, that moved him to, to die for us and to rescue us from uh, the tyranny of the demonic and the tyranny of our sins. And he also has a clenched fist, his heart and fist, the ministry of Jesus towards the work of the devil, tarnishing creation, tarnishing humanity that Jesus loves, that Jesus loves. Third thing, I'm, I'm flying through this because I want to get to the testimonies. Jesus, one of the ways Jesus destroyed the works of Satan is through deliverance right? Obviously, the gospel is Christ's life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his session, his current reign and rule, that he is king over all things. But then we need to ask the question, well, specifically, how does Jesus' kingly rule manifest on the face of the earth? Yes, through the salvation, people pledging allegiance to this king, all hail King Jesus, who's ushered in this kingdom, but also through deliverance, that the name of Jesus is above every demon that could ever name itself inside of a human being. With the authority of Jesus, this stuff has to get punched in the face and leave. And one of the primary tactics of the enemy, not the only, but one of the tactics we see, not according to anything I've made up or anything I've read in a book, but according to the scriptures, is to wreak havoc both in humanity and through humanity through the demonization of individuals. Demonization is the inhabitation and influence of evil spirits within an individual. And we'll talk next week, I'm running out of time, about the difference between demonization and possession. But this is what Dr. Sam Storm says about this. What's important to note for us is that every case of demonization involves someone under the influence or control in varying degrees of an indwelling evil spirit. The word demonization is never used in the New Testament to describe someone who is merely oppressed or harassed or attacked or tempted by a demon. In every case, reference is made to a demon either entering, dwelling in, or being cast out of the person. Hence, to be demonized in the strict sense of that term is to be inhabited by a demon with varying degrees of influence or control. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when he says this, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, this is your savior talking, it, it, not me, the, Matthew 12, 43 through 45, it passes through waters, waterless places seeking rest but finds none. And then it says, I will return to my house which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. And then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And then the last state of that person is worse than the first. So four things that we can maybe deduce from this text is, one, we see Jesus teaches that unclean evil spirits exist. Jesus believed uh, in those entities. Secondly, uh, he didn't believe in them. He knew they existed, and he came to destroy them. Secondly, um, uh, well, I guess, yeah, and, 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 they, and they, they see, no, no, yeah, secondly, um, what we see is that some are more evil and powerful than others, that there's varying degrees of, of, of power that these things have. Even when Jesus comes down from the Mount Transfiguration to cast out, uh, uh, the, de- the disciples are trying to cast a demon out of a boy, and they can't, and Jesus says, what does he say? He says, this kind, okay, oh, okay, well, whoop, what does that mean? There's different kinds, and this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. You're up against the big one, disciples. That's why I couldn't cast it out. Let me teach you about the different So we see that there's different kinds in the spiritual realm. Three, they, they act, it seems like they actively search to take up residence in, in human Airbnbs, uh, right? Um, and uh, in our deliverance ministry, uh, something that we've, we heard fairly recently of, of delivering someone was the demon saying, uh, 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 this person is our home, our home, our home. We don't want to leave. This person is our home. And it goes exactly in line with Matthew 12, 43 through 45. They, they don't want to leave. They're, they're cozy there, right? They, they're, they're sent on assignment there to bring destruction. And, and we've come to 
to destroy their works and have Jesus come and restore the damage that they've done. And fourthly, what's the purpose? We see is to cause destruction. Jesus says in verse 45 that the state of the individual is worse than the first. Um, and so to summarize what we learned scripturally through, again, I'm just giving you um, what Jesus is teaching, uh, Jesus' ministry. I'm not making this up. We're just finally, you're just at a church where we're finally talking about it, and I'm not uh, glossing over it and, and saying it's not for today. I'm saying it is for today, and here's why. So demons have real power both to inhabit and influence individuals, and this seems to be one of the primary ways Satan seeks to advance his kingdom is through demonization. And so therefore, one of the primary tactics, not the only, but one of the tactics of Jesus to destroy Satan's kingdom is deliverance. Deliverance defined as the eviction of evil spirits of destruction through the restoring power of the Holy Spirit. If you got a rat in your house and he's destroying your kitchen and everything in your kitchen, it's not enough just to, uh, like I said last week, to clean up the mess, get rid of the person who's making the mess, and then begin to restore what is broken. So look at Jesus's, um, look at the scriptural evidence and the references in your packet to the, the, the deliverance ministry of Jesus and how it's tied to the kingdom of God. Luke 10, 20 through 22. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger, eh, Jesus, when one stronger, uh, then he attacks and overcomes him. He takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Mark 1, 23 through 26, Jesus is doing uh, something similar to what I'm doing, just teaching in, in, in a church service in the synagogue, and someone manifests a demon, and this is what happens. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And the answer is, yeah, sorry, uh, you're getting destroyed today, okay? And that's the rest of the thing. Luke 4, 18 through 19, quoting the prophet Isaiah, Jesus says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then we see the fulfillment of that in Acts 10, 38. In uh, Peter's sermon, he says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, with power, and he went about doing good, and watch this, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Jesus came to heal people who are oppressed by the devil. Uh, Mark uh, 1, 32 through 34. Uh, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. This wasn't something that Jesus hid. This wasn't something um, that uh, Jesus kind of sort of did. It was central to his ministry. He wanted to see the oppressed set free, and he did it, okay? And you might be saying, okay, Nick, that's great. I'm on my fourth point now. I'm going to wrap up. You might be saying, Nick, that's great. I knew Jesus did all of that stuff already, okay? That's no new information, okay? I know that's true. What I want to know, Nick, is why you think, why you have the audacity to think that Christians should do this today, didn't this cease when the Bible was closed? Like, boom, Bible's closed. Whoo, man, all that weird stuff is in, the, is in the past. Oh, thank you, God, for that doctrine. We don't, have to, we don't have to wrestle with this weird stuff anymore. Demonization and deliverance has nothing to do with the closing of the canon of Scripture. It has everything to do with, is Jesus seated on the throne or is he not? Is there an expiration date? Did, did Jesus sit on the throne above every ruler, authority, power, dominion, every demon? And then, he, and then once the, the scriptures got closed, the canon got closed, he hopped off and he goes, all right, that's, I guess people are going to stay bound and demonized. All right, because we've got the Bible. No, he never, never says that once in the scriptures. 
there's no expiration date. He's forever enthroned. He's forever reigning. And if he's forever enthroned and forever reigning, then, then until he comes back, the church, the church needs to be storming the gates of hell and setting people free, okay? Uh, last point, Jesus Christ trained and commissioned his followers to continue what he started. This is where I'm gonna speed up. Your pens better be on fire there, all right? All right. One, Jesus commanded the 12 apostles to cast out demons. These 12, Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere. This is Matthew 10. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no towns of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying this. What's the message? The, the kingdom of God is at hand. So proclaim that message and then demonstrate the fact, the empirical fact that that kingdom has come. How? That, that kingdom of restoration, you heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cleanse lepers, and you cast out demons. You proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand, but then you enforce the reign and rule of King Jesus on a sin-cursed world, right? You bring healing and deliverance. Two, Jesus commanded the 72 non-apostles to cast out demons. This is all in your Bibles, okay? Hopefully not new information for you. This is all in your scriptures. There's 72 no-name disciples. We don't know their names. They're not apostles. And Jesus trained them up. He slapped them on the back, said, go get them, tiger, you know, two by two, you know, go town by town, preach the message, good luck. What I taught you to do, go, go town by town and do that. And they come back all, they come back fired up. These 72, they come back all fired up and they say, the 72 return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus said to them, wait, what did you do? Wait, wait, you guys were, you guys were casting demons out of people, were you? You know what that does to my reputation? That's so weird. Well, I can't believe you did that. Now I got to go apologize. I got to clean up this mess. What'd you go? No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus gives him a fist bump. And he says, he said, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's the most, that's the coolest thing, man. Come on, somebody. That's your savior. I saw him fall. He's conquered. I came to dethrone him. You don't need to worry about him anymore. Let me show you your posture towards your enemy who's now defeated because of what I've done. I've given you authority. I've given you authority to, to tread on their face these scorpions, these serpents, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. You enforce that power. You enforce that authority that I, I died to give you. I'm seated. Do you believe it? Well, let's go. Come on. Man, we've seen two people come to faith in Christ through our deliverance ministry in these last four weeks because they were demonized and they needed to get set free. Say, so, hey, we'll pray for you. You're, you're, <laughs> you're manifesting there's this, the first time that, hey, it might be demonic. Turns out it was. We need, we need Christ to be seated in your heart. We can get you set free. What do you want to do? Are you ready to repent? Are you ready to turn? Two people. I think Jesus knew what he was doing when he said this is how the kingdom advances. Oh, it's beautiful, the testimonies that are coming. Three, Jesus commanded the, non-apostle, the, the apostles to not stop a non-apostle from casting out a demon. I want to meet this guy in heaven. I love this guy. Luke 9, 49 through 50. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. There's some random dude following Jesus at a distance. He's like, he's hearing, he's seeing what Jesus is doing. He's taking notes. Okay, that's what you say? Okay, cool, cool. He's like, man, I got a cousin that's really messed up. All right, let me see. All right, hey, come, come pray with me. Come pray. All right, in Jesus' name, with are oh, my gosh, okay, and boom. Like, he's like, oh, this guy's awesome. Who is this guy, right? And the apostles are like, no, no, we need to shut that mess down. This stays with us, right, Jesus? And he goes, what are you doing? No, it doesn't stay with you. It's about if the devil's getting kicked in the face and evicted from, from image bearers, then, then, then give him tips. Help him out. Right? The, is that the kingdom come? It, was it my name that he was doing it in? Well, then it was effective. There's a lot of worldview. Like, like there's, there's all, all different uh, 
uh, in the East and in, in the West, there's a whole lot of exorcists, non-Christian exorcists, like just to fill you in, right? This is, this is maybe new to our Western world, but I'll tell you what, there's one, there's one name that they bow down to and they bend their knee to. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, point number four, Jesus commissioned his disciples to go to the ends of the earth and teach others uh, everything that he commanded them to do. The Great Commission, you all know it, but verse 20, we miss this. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So he says, go to all the nations, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them um, some of the things I commanded you to do. Teach the disciples ad infinitum, generation to generation, only talk about and teach other people what is comfortable to you. Only teach people what um, would protect your reputation and make you seen as someone who's not crazy. Because worst case scenario, you're seen as somebody weird. So make it your Christian goal in life to not be seen as a weird Christian. So teach them to, not, not everything, but just the things you like to teach, that, that you prefer, that make, that make Christianity more contextualized to, uh, you know, the intellectual elite uh, uh, of the day. He says, he didn't say that, church. He says everything. And so this 12, the 72, uh, hearing this commission, what do they do? They go to the ends of the earth and they teach others everything. So what did Jesus, what were, what did Jesus command them to do? Cast out demons. Pray for the sick. Proclaim the gospel. Yes, uh, meet, meet the needs in your community. Love each other through, through community. All these other areas. This isn't the only thing, but it's something that we are called to do. Uh, five, the church in Acts continued the supernatural ministry of Jesus. I don't have time to talk about that. That's day one stuff. Just read the book of Acts, Acts 19. We've talked about this already. Six, the early church after the death of the apostles continued this ministry. So once the apostles died out, this is what we see. After the death of St. John, the next generation of church leaders continued the work of Jesus as empowered in Acts 1.8. As part of that ongoing work in, through the church, the act of exorcism was normal, expected, and practiced again and again with the first three centuries of the post-apostolic faith community. The following examples not only show a non-cessationistic worldview, but also a, recorded, a record of living history of a variety of church leaders dealing with the demonic in the area of theology as well as pastorally as people came needing freedom. And so all of these quotes aren't from um, uh, a charismatic Wikipedia. Uh, they are from the Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs, a reference guide to more than 700 topics discussed by the early church fathers. In your spare time, read through all of those quotes. Anyone who'd say they're a cessationist, you hand them that and you say, explain this to me, okay? And the one quote I wanna share is like the most epic quote of all times by Tertullian, okay? So go to Tertullian's quote. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about this. Let a person be brought before your tribunals who is plainly under demon possession. The wicked spirit ordered to speak by a follower of Christ will as readily make the truthful confession that he is a demon. Watch this. We daily, this is a daily practice for the church in, in the second century, in the third century. What, we daily hold them to contempt. We exercise them from their victims as multitudes, as multitudes can testify. Many people can testify. Watch this. I love this. Oh, come on. What is nobler? Then to tread underfoot the gods of the nations, to exercise evil spirits, to perform cures, to seek divine revelations, and to live to God. These are the pleasures. These are the spectacles that befit Christian men. See how many men of rank have been delivered from devils and healed of diseases. That's, that quote right there is worth the price of admission, in my opinion. All right, seven. Lastly, you and me, and then we're going to get to testimonies. John 14, 12. We are to continue this. It, it happened after the apostles died. It happened in the early church. And you and me, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Greater works than these will he do. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out 
demons. So let's follow the logic. Do demons still exist? Yes. Secondly, do demons still inhabit and torment people? Yes, they did it in the first century when Jesus walked the earth. They still do it today. Who alone has the power and the authority to set the captive free? Who are the only people, the only people living and breathing right now to bring a good message of hope and freedom and healing and restoration to the demonically oppressed? The church. And so then follow the logic. If the church stops the deliverance ministry of Jesus, where will they go to get the freedom they need? To whom will they run? Right? And so let's clothe ourselves in compassion um, for the, the demonized. I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. I was, I was demonized. It was awful. It's horrific. On the other side of Jesus is manifesting his life as my deliverer. It's, it's a whole new Christian walk. It's amazing. Um, it's not the only thing, right? It's not the only whatever and, and all that stuff, but it's, it's, it's life-changing. And, and, and we need to clothe ourselves with the compassion of our king and make it our aim that through us, the great physician will continue to heal the broken and set the captives free. Isaiah 61.1 says this, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. So with that said, I'm wrapping up the sermon. Uh, I'm gonna call up Heather Duhame uh, right now. Put your hands together for Heather having the courage to share. Um, Oh, right here? Yellow? Okay. Behind. This one. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. Hi. I'm Heather. <laughs> um, I've been a member of the Transit since 2012, and Nick asked me to come up here and share some of my story. So everything's written down. I'm going to try not to look at it, but there's a lot of you, and I'm really nervous. So um, I might just read off the paper. Um, but I'm excited to share the story of what God has done um, and how he freed me from a lot of um, shenanigans. Uh, I just want to preface this story with sharing that this is all new to me. Kind of what Nick said. Um, I did not grow up in a faith tradition that was, you know, we didn't have like an exorcism booth in the corner during our service or things like that. Um, but so I just wanted to say that because if you're in that same boat, then rest assured, that's where I was and some days still am. It's still a lot to take in and there's a lot of mystery and and um that's that's part of what we just have to do is have faith um but hopefully what i'm about to share will encourage all of us and most importantly bring glory to god um so here we go um so i was encouraged by a friend to sign up for a um inner healing and deliverance prayer time um initially because of sleep issues that had been plaguing me so i had a horrible insomnia um sleep paralysis nightmares almost every night um, I've also been a sleepwalker for most of my life. Um, and I use the term sleepwalker, uh, lightly because I would do all kinds of things. I've called 911 in my sleep more than once. Um, I tried to jump out of a second story window, which thankfully there was a screen there. Um, I tried to perform CPR on my husband one night in my sleep. Um, <laughs> poor guy. Uh, <laughs> but all joking aside, um, I have, I had tormented sleep most of my life. Um, and then in addition to sleep issues, I had been experiencing infertility uh, for about two years. Um, so I had had every blood test, every ultrasound, every, everything you can imaginable. Um, and no one could figure out the cause. So I entered my prayer time. This was in September of 2021, exhausted and carrying the wounds of six miscarriages with me. 
and with a chip on my shoulder about how a good God could allow this suffering. So during the session, the prayer team, and they do this, I think, every time, but they, they led me through different prayers. You release grudges that you had held, certain unforgiveness, sin patterns. I'm sure you guys wouldn't have to do that if you wanted, but, you know, I struggle with those things. <laughs> um, but then came a section where you pray through uh, to be freed from generational curses. As they walked me through a prayer to break off agreements my ancestors had entered into and oaths that they had taken, I suddenly felt the urge to scream. Um, and so I just told the prayer team, like, uh, I don't know, I feel this weird rage rising up inside of me all of a sudden. I don't know what to do with it. And they said, you know, let's go back through and just pray through that same section again. Um, so we went back through and, and prayed through the same section. And much to my surprise, I started manifesting a demonic spirit. Um, I can tell all the details later. I'm happy to share it with you guys, but I will... I will share that for another time. Um, but I had no idea what was happening. Like I said, this was all new to me, um, and I did not know what was going on. But thankfully, the prayer team knew what to do. So they recognized that this was a demonic spirit. They spoke to it, encouraged me, prayed for me, um, and then they were able to cast it out. Um, the spirit identified itself as Osiris, and I'm sharing that because it's important later. Um, and the Holy Spirit revealed that it had entered through many generations back through um, Freemasonry, um, which, unbeknownst to me, apparently is a, a thing that can happen. Uh, you can have generational curses through Freemasonry practices. Um, so we ended the session, and we all made our way back home. Um, <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, that was weird. Um, <laughs> and just driving home, and not really sure what to do with it. Um, but I thought, well, we'll just kind of have to see what the outcome is. Um, I felt the same, just... It was very weird. Um, so, but since that session when God delivered me from this spirit, I can tell you that I've been able to sleep through the night, um, most nights, uh, without any medication for the first time in years. Um, yeah, praise God. Um, I used to have nightmares several times a week, um, just waking up in a panic, my heart pounding. Um, and two years later, I've only had three nightmares. Um, now, so remember Osiris? Uh, so you better believe I went straight home and Googled who the heck is Osiris. Um, and uh, I discovered that he is an Egyptian god that was worshipped for fertility reasons. Um, so the next month after my prayer time, I got pregnant. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Um, and we have a healthy boy, baby Jack, who you all know. And he's 14 months old. So, um, so I'm not saying, and I won't pretend to say that I understand how all of this works. I think there's a lot of mystery here around all of this, and it's okay to acknowledge that, right? This is kind of weird, and it, a lot of it is, is mysterious to us. Um, but what I do know is that this was my life beforehand, you know, infertility and nightmares and, and, and anxiety and all sorts of things. And after this spirit manifested and was cast out, now I, I don't suffer from any of that stuff any longer. Um, so, and I also wanted to mention that I'm a nurse practitioner, and so obviously I love modern medicine, and I, you know, big fan of it, and the healing that it brings, and Nick would agree that our church would never say not to seek medical counsel or mental health, you know, therapy for things, but I think we have to acknowledge, looking at this incredible testimony and some other ones that are going to be shared, that there are really spiritual forces that can cause true um, mental and physical issues, so... Um, 
I just wanted to share one last thing, um, which is about Jack. Uh, we had always loved the name Jack for many, many years. We always said, if we had a baby boy, we're going to name it Jack. And um, several months into this pregnancy, um, we realized, when we realized we were having a boy, um, I thought, oh, I should probably look up what Jack means before we commit to it. Um, and I, after some research, realized that it means God is gracious. So um, I just thought I'd end on that. That God is gracious and he's kind and he's mighty too um, over all of this. Um, he wants to bring healing and deliverance. Um, so what if I, if, if what I just shared stirred anything up in any of you, if you have an inkling that maybe a prayer session might be good for you, I'd say go for it because um, you've got nothing to lose and, well, you've got some demons to lose maybe. But, <laughs> um, and a whole lot to gain. So that's it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for your courage to share. That was, that was beautiful, right? That was a, a, a miracle, King Jesus, his kingdom breaking in and the oppression and the, and the torment stopping. And so um, I have uh, more I want to say, but I have one four-minute video, and uh, we'll close with one song because we don't want to keep the kids ministry workers too long, but this testimony, I think, goes perfectly well on the heels of um, Heather's story. So someone through in another state through Zoom uh, came and got prayer. She had stage four cancer. Um, and it was really serious, and um, the Lord, uh, well, I'll let her tell the story. So do you have the video? Can you, can you pull it up and play it? Hi, my name is Holly Pribble, and I've had the awesome opportunity of going through a deliverance ministry with your deliverance, um, with your prayer team at Transit Church. And because of it, I have been set free. Jesus has set me free, and I'd like to share my story with you. And it all began in fall of 2020 when I started, my ears started itching and I started going to a dermatologist. They couldn't figure it out. Eventually a little nodule formed on my right ear and they did a biopsy and they couldn't figure it out. So they sent it to Mayo Clinic. And it came back as it was diagnosed as a very rare form of T-cell lymphoma. And only about like, 50 people in the world have ever had it and they and they immediately sent me to Mayo Clinic and Mayo asked me if I would become part of a research study and of course I said yes and um, from there uh, they also involved the hematologist specialists at University of Michigan and my local oncologist in Michigan and they came up with a, a care plan for me so they started me on chemotherapy uh, and it really didn't work. I'll show you the tumor that was on my ear, my right ear. Um, that's it. And so after a while, uh, they decided to switch me to radiation. And the radiation did work. It eradicated the tumor. Um, but what happened is that once that tumor, the, the, one tumor would be eradicated, more would appear. And so it was just going on. And during this time, I had lots of people praying for me. I was standing on all of God's healing promises because I know all of his promises are yes in Christ. And I know that absolutely nothing is too hard for God. But after a while when this kept going on, I started seeking God and I, said, and I, and I was asking him, is there something blocking my healing? And that's when this amazing journey started. And long story short, I came to find out that my great-great-grandfather was high up in the Freemasonry organization. And what happens um, when, you know, when people are involved in that, that um, 
that they put place curses on themselves, their families, and it travels through the bloodline and curses aren't broken until they're broken. So, um, and, and during that time, I was also in contact with someone on the Transit Church Ministry prayer team. So I was telling her about it and she said, you know, we do deliverance ministry and I didn't really know what that meant, but you know, I was desperate. So I said, you know, sure, I'll try it. So on August 18th of 2021, which was in the middle of COVID, we had a Zoom meeting and um, they, it was amazing. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit directed the whole thing. They gave the team all the, um, the insight, the knowledge, the wisdom, the authority and the power in the mighty name of Jesus. And, it, and from that session, um, the tumor stopped and they have not reappeared. It has been over two years. And my oncologist told me that if I could go two years without a reoccurrence, that I was most likely good to go. And um, he told me that the specialist in, at University of Michigan was encouraged me to have a bone marrow transplant because he thought that was my best shot at survival. So I'm here to tell you that um, Jesus's promises and God's promises are true. Jesus came to set the captives free and undo the works of the devil, and he has done that for me, and he will also do it for anyone else. Um, so I give him all the praise, the glory, and the honor, and I thank the Transit Church prayer team for laying down their lives for this ministry because Jesus is using them mightily to set his people free. Thank you. So here's what I want to say about Holly's story. Uh, ben, you can come on up. Is um, We're going to talk about generational curses next week. I know that was mentioned twice, in, um, and that probably raises a lot of questions for you. But when Holly came for prayer, um, she, the, the cancer was there. There were, there were tumors on uh, her, her head. And, and when she talks about coming for deliverance, she, she got deliverance. She, she was, she, we got permission to share this. She was manifesting demons over Zoom. She'd never done that before. And when those demons left... So did the cancer. It hasn't, it hasn't, that was the definitive moment where, hey, had cancer, this came, cancer's gone for two years. Um, and so we know scripturally that um, not everything is a demon, but some things might have a demonic component, and Jesus is still powerful and reigning and ruling over those things. And here's what I want to say is I know that um, when we press into believing in Jesus for healing and deliverance, uh, and so we hear a story of someone who's still alive today who got healed of stage four cancer, um, my wife and I have wept this year bitterly over the loss of her father within this past year, who was a believer in the Lord, uh, and he passed away. We prayed for him, and he didn't get healed, right? But did he not get healed? Is he not healed right now in glorified state with Christ? And so the attitude that we have, I know it's hard. I know pastorally, some of you had miscarriages, some of you wrestling with infertility as we live. The kingdom has come, but the kingdom isn't fully here yet. And we're in this mysterious tension. And so then how do we respond? We respond like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before they're about to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And they say this, they say, they say our God will deliver us. He's going to save us from this fiery furnace you're going to throw us into. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't, we still won't bow down, right? 
So we have faith that our King is alive, He can heal, and there's a mystery to this, but we can still come together and celebrate the fact that He's alive and He's in our midst, and there's a whole lot that He wants to do. And so let's celebrate Jesus, what He's done with communion today as we close with worship. What this meal symbolizes is Jesus did for us what we could never do ourselves. It wasn't our broken body, it wasn't our shed blood that could uh, atone for our sins to free us from the tyranny of the demonic. It was Christ who did that. The reason we can have confidence that heaven has come and heaven is coming is all because of what God and his love has done for us. We don't look to the devil, we look to Jesus and we celebrate his work today that all authority and power has been given to him. He's crushed our enemies and he did that through his sacrificial death on the cross for us so that we can come confident that death, sin, and the demonic has no reign and rule in our lives anymore. But Christ, our sacrificial king, does. And this meal symbolizes his victory. And if anything at all I said resonated with you and you want prayer, uh, please come forward for prayer, schedule a prayer appointment. And if anything at all is really hard to wrestle with, I understand that, right? I get it. I, we like, for sure, there's a mystery here. Please come and talk to me after the service. Please come and schedule an appointment with me. And I'd love to, to, to help you process this as well. But let's celebrate our King that we're not just singing to some uh, theoretical king on a throne, but, but he's come and, and he's reigning and his kingdom is really here and he's really healing and he's really delivering and he's really bringing salvation to people and he's worthy of our praise today, amen.